0: Hello, wine lovers, wine friends. We are back with another episode and I am excited to introduce to you Luma Montero. Although... I am slightly scared because maybe she's even more enthusiastic and passionate than me talking about wine, but I shall let you guys decide. So, she is a wine communicator. She has been featured by Drinks Retailing as one of the top 100 most influential people in drinks. She also recently won the Emerging Talent Wine Communicator Award by the International Wine Spirit Challenge. And so, today, As Lima is from Brazil, we are taking things back home and we're going to be talking about the wine situation there. You'll get some ideas on if you're going to travel to Rio de Janeiro, where to fly next, what wine regions to visit what wine styles you need to try. We'll be talking about Vinos de Inverno. Okay, this is an indigenous and incredibly new, exciting, innovative way to grow vines in a climate that you would not assume is possible. So you're going to find out all about that in this episode. We'll also be talking about the first DO in the Southern Hemisphere, which is dedicated exclusively To sparkling wines. So, you will be learning so much in this episode. Now, my wonderful sponsor of this season, Wickham's Wine, does not have any Brazilian wines. Dan, if you're listening to this, of course you're listening to this. Come on, everyone wants Brazilian wine now. You're going to need to go and find one. But anyway, thank you as ever for being an incredible support to this podcast. Everybody, when you're not buying Brazilian wine, remember you can use my code EATSLEEP10 for 10% off your first order. Right. Are you ready for some new wine information? Pour yourself a glass of wine and let's go. I am going to start the episode by asking you what sparked this incredible passion for wine, because your passion, I think it meets mine. It's equal.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, this is what we do with wine, isn't it? And you have to be very passionate about it.
0: <laughs> that is the rules. That yeah, is Darren. the rules.
1: So when I was in Brazil, it was like not working with wine. I've never worked with wine until mm-hmm. I came to the UK. It was a hobby because I wanted to learn more. There is no wine culture like people. Wow, I drink wine on a Tuesday night, you know beer is really what dominates in brazil and i was always curious because i was thinking hmm, i want to learn more when i to go to a nice restaurant and i see the menu i want to see what it is about and i want to understand what i'm drinking because you know imagine in brazil that you have no zero contact with any of these wines and then suddenly you're like oh you have this bordeaux here so what is bordeaux you know what i mean like i had no idea he or her, what is he or her? is he or her grape is a he region so I was always, it was curiosity. And then, and then I did a course. I did um In Brazil? In Brazil. Okay. In Rio, because I am from Rio. In Rio, there was a very good school. It's called the Association of Sommeliers from Rio or something okay. like that. Translated. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are very respected. They have one in, in Rio. They have one in Sao Paulo. You know, they have in the capitals, really. And they are very good. And they, they form sommeliers as a profession, you know. But they have like they have this course where you can do as a amateur because you want to learn more. You don't need to do the service. You just do the wine bits. And I really like that. And then after that, I did like I had a group of people. So we meet up, we try
0: wines. Was, you see? Was uh, so yeah. Yeah. So fr- That's the wonderful thing about doing any of these courses, I guess, anywhere in the world, whoever's on your group you realise, oh my God, we have the same passion. And then it's wonderful to then share wine with them and continue your development. When was this? When did you do that first course? It was back eight, nine years ago. Okay. Because was it big then? Because again, the culture of drinking wine in Brazil, it's only really been in, I think, from reading in the last 10, 15 years that lots of, you know, wines have actually been imported into Brazil. Because I guess before... There was a lot of American hybrids or different species that were coming in. That, that's the the grapes that were grown were not the Vitus vinifera grape varieties that we the we know about.
1: Because Brazil is interesting. So Brazil was a wine production country. It's different as a wine consumer country because producing wines was have been wines have been produced in Brazil. I don't know, many, many years, you know, back in generations, five generations. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Because when Italians went to the south of Brazil and they started living in the south of Brazil, they brought with them vines. This is the reason we have Vitis vinifera in Brazil, really. Um, But we have Vitis lambrusca, which is which is what they do, the ones they drink for own consumption. Because, you know... It's almost like Italians, when they go to places to live, they bring with them, you know, in the past, I mean, in the past, they used to bring the grapes and they used to produce for themselves because they of drink course. wine. And this is what was happening in the South, like, main, I'm talking about many, many years ago. But then, when we had contact with Vinifera, is when the wine production started doing properly in Brazil, but it was not now, it was not 10 years ago. What changed 10 years ago? until nowadays, I think, as a production country, is because the method got more sophisticated.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So they started doing wine seriously, you know, and, like, and not just sparkling, because the sparkling has been done in Brazil for many, many years, especially with Moscatel. So we have a very... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's award-winnings every year for the Moscato sparkling, which is very similar in style to Moscato Dusty. Really, oh, it's lovely. a sweet, low-alcohol, made by muscatel same grapes, you know. But now the producers started doing serious traditional methods with Chardonnay, Pinot Noir. We don't have Pinot Menino in Brazil, or experimenting with new grapes. And the winemakers started traveling as well and knowing more. Mm-hmm, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that is the majority. I'm saying that some, you yeah, know, yeah. L- producers started doing that. It's still. A long way to go, but I think it changed a lot. As a consumer, Brazil was never, you you don't have the culture of wine. This is what surprised me when I came to the UK, because here, people know, if you say Bordeaux, people know what is a Bordeaux, you know. If you say Rioja, people know what is Rioja. While in Brazil, it's it's very difficult. First of all, we don't have access to these wines, because they arrive very expensive Mm, in Brazil. The taxes, okay, yeah. The taxes are horrible and monstrous in Brazil. So it's very, very difficult. But we have a lot of wines from South America. Because South America, you have the agreement, the commercial agreement, which is called Mercosul, And then you get these wines with zero taxes. And then, so we used to drink a lot of like Malbecs from Argentina, wines from Uruguay. You see in Brazil, you find it. And what happened, I think, is especially with COVID, is people started drinking Brazilian wines, because I think Brazilians were not drinking because even for Brazilians it's expensive because if you're doing wines in the South and you try to, to send these wines to the North, it's impossible. It's very, Brazil is huge and very expensive.
0: I've seen the around. map
1: <laughs> It's huge. It's huge. It's very difficult logistically to send things between states and it's expensive. And also Brazilians don't drink a lot of wine. Nowadays, it's changing a little bit. São Paulo always have been drinking wine because São Paulo is the commercial, really, center of Brazil where, you know, the elite of Brazil are, they make money. Rio is quite similar in style, but Rio, people, it's very hot. You know, São Paulo, you have a lot of continental. São Paulo is huge, so you have the continental in the middle. Rio is like, it's coastal, it's hot. So people drink beer. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. So you, when you were going to restaurants, though, they did have some wines and some European wines. And it was just, and that was really the only opportunity that you tasted them and started going, hey, there's something different here.
1: Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
0: When did you first drink Brazilian wine? Or should I say good Brazilian wine? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's <is> good <laughs> so the first when i started having contact with brazilian wines really when when i started my course because they comment about brazilian wines and they're like oh this is a good producer," and you're like oh i've never tried this producer before so now, let me try so i remember like some of the wines that i've tried in the beginning and it was amazing i was surprised one was aurora which i think they are cooperative okay i'm not sure but aurora is one of the ones that has amazing sparklies and valduga Falduga is one of my favorite producers. Really.
0: Okay. Okay. I think I might have tried one of their wines because I think they're brought in. I'm going to probably butcher this, but (laughs) Cave Geese, Cave Geese, Cave Geese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yes. That's what I meant. I'm sure, but I tasted a quite a few different sparklings, but the one that definitely in my head, because I just love the bottle as well. It's quite fat on the base. It's quite memorable. And the quality is amazing. Cav Guise. They, they, they I've definitely tried. Cav guys. Oh, Cav guys. Cav guys. There we go. (laughs) I'll try. Thank God you're here. Now, we're going to talk about sparkling wines in a second, but actually the reason that we decided today to talk about Brazilian wines is because you've had an amazing experience recently getting to present uh, what, maybe like 30 bottles of Brazilian wines to Tim Atkin, who for anyone who doesn't know is one of our top masters of wine, incredibly knowledgeable. So that must have been so fun. So I want to know what wines did you show him? What did you choose? What did he think? Like, wow, tell us, tell us everything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting because it started one year ago I was in a tasting with Tim, was a dinner, okay, and with the main So we were like, you know, we were talking about everything. So I was talking to him because I was thinking at the time to join the MW course, you know. So I was chatting, and then I said, you know, there was no intention at all. It was just like a comment. I said, oh, by the way, I saw you were. I don't know. He was in South America, and he goes a lot to South, to South America. Of course, oh, yeah. But have you been to Brazil? And he was like, oh, I've been many, many years ago. How are the wines in Brazil? I said, you know, Tim, changed a lot. If you went there ten years ago, the wines changed, the producers changed, the style changed. They are like much better steel wines. That in the past we were never paying attention to that. And he was like, oh, really? I said, yes. You you would be surprised. And he said, would you grab some producers and show me some wines? I said, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> And you're like, yes. Yes. So that I told him, I have some producers that I really like, and I think they're really excelling in winemaking. And I I can grab, like, you know, send them a message, see if they can send some samples, and then we can do a tasting. He said, yeah, fine, okay. Grab the wines, and then we, we schedule a date. Fine. And then, you know, it was me after that, I was like, oh, wow. Let me now talk to all these producers that I really like and that I really enjoy and see if I can get the samples to show him. And this was all last year. So I contacted some producers that I really liked. It was seven producers, I think, but they sent the whole range, which in the total was 35 wines. We were expecting to receive more wines this year, but, you know, because of the, (laughs) let's say (laughs) FedEx, DHL, whatever it is nowadays that I don't even know anymore. Some of them didn't arrive on time. Some of them got lost. But, you know, this was the ones that I could grab and then we were just trying to find a date. That was the the challenge because I was always trying to
0: T- I know and Tim has promised to be on this podcast and I think we've been trying to find a date for a year so everyone by the way at some point Tim's coming on but yeah I know and you my my lover always everywhere as well so you'll tell us some mm-hmm. of your It was journeys. very
1: difficult for us to find a date yeah. actually because every time I was in the UK he was not in the UK when when he was in the UK I was not in the UK mm-hmm. and then suddenly we got a date and then um, it was an amazing experience because I had the opportunity to present wines that i really believe and and i know that you know brazil still has a a good path in front of us but brazilians are very resilient and they are very creative and this is what i told him as a team everything you're seeing here you know we we've been doing things in brazil you know taking i don't know i don't know we we got like uh, struggles and then we do stuff with struggles which is amazing And uh, I said, this is like amazing producers. And the wines were showing very well. I was so happy. We had the sparklings from Valduga. We had amazing wines from Lidio Carraro, which is like one spectacular producer. The wines were so pure and not using oak at all. Mm. Minimal intervention, no using oak. I'm not saying, and I love oak, don't get me wrong, but you know, sometimes you can lose your hand with oak. (laughs) And And they were just showcasing like, no, we can do amazing wines without any oak. And we had some more conversions as well, which was amazing, very well done, you know, very well integrated. I think I had a feeling that team really enjoyed and we were discussing like what we are going to do next. He said, Luma, you know, we could do a top 50 Brazil because he does the reports top 50. He does Peru. I think Peru was the recent one he did. He said, oh, my worth going to Brazil. I said, yeah. And he was like, how many days? I said, oh, 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Because you
0: can go here and then you can go to the south, you go a little bit to the southeast, you know mm-hmm. Well, okay, Let's actually see. we should stop for one second and talk about where these wines actually have come from So as far as I know, unless you're going to tell me about something new that I don't know Basically the majority is really down in the south of Brazil Where, you know, Uruguay starts So we are talking in the southern area Obviously, did many of your wines come from Serra Gaucha? or actually have some of the other wine regions really started spiking and producing top, top quality? Tell me, because for me, when I talk to people about Brazil, this is my knowledge. I'm like, right, Serra Gaucha is the region you want to go to. And within Serra Gaucha, there's the first DO, which is Valle de, well, actually Dos. So sorry, my Pintero, I'm trying to go Spanish. I'm like, oh, but it's Valle Dos Vineros. And I remember doing an episode with the original brand ambassador. Well, not original, but the brand ambassador at the time of Miolo. So anybody who wants to go back and hear about Miolo, that winery, that was, wait, I wrote it down. Okay. Episode 28. My God, going back so far. (laughs) And she (laughs) describes this as the Tuscany of Brazil. So this is the area. I'm like, this is it. there's so many other sub-regions now. And I think Campania right on the border of Uruguay is quite exciting. But that's it. I'm done. Now Um, I have to, I've done my knowledge now. I have to hand the rest (laughs) over to you. (laughs) You
1: know, so the production is concentrated in the South. It's not just in the South, but it is concentrated in the South. The last time I looked at the figures, I think 85% or 90%. It's between 85% and 90% of the whole production of Brazil is in the South, and is in Rio Grande do Sul, which is mm-hmm. the state where you have Campanha, where you have Serra Gaúcha. Serra Gaúcha is the most famous and the biggest one. So I'm That's going That's how to... you
0: pronounce it. <laughs> Serra Gaúcha. <laughs> oh, my God. No, Butcher away, Nina. That
1: is correct. You said correctly. That is no, it. I did it's not. It's my accent.
0: You. <laughs> yeah, your accent, which is correct. So everybody... <laughs> You can say it the crappy English way like me yeah. or pay attention to Luma, who will really tell you how to pronounce things. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> so the main
1: state is going to do soul. And the reason is because you have the climate. So the south is cooler and you have the altitude because all these vines and vineyards we are talking about is in, in altitude. So Serra means hills. So Serra Gaúcha is like hills, you know. And of course, inside of Rio Grande do Sul, you have Serra Campanha, Campania, which is closer to Uruguay, but you also have Santa Catarina, which is another state doing amazing wines. We are still in the south, and then we can go to the north because the north is a very it's a very interesting even for me because north is hot, proper, arid, you know, hot. It's, it's crazy how they do wines there, but they do the wines near the river which is San Francisco, so and a very fertile land. So sometimes they do two harvests per year. So they do two harvests.
0: Yes. Harvest, because is, there is a confusion
1: before mm-hmm. we do in the southeast of Brazil. Right. So, I think let's do this. Harvest, yeah. So harvest, is they harvest twice because it's a lot of grapes, because it's very fertile. And they do wines over there and the weather is hot, proper, but, you know, they manage the wines and the wines are good. And then you go to the Southeast, that before in Brazil, we never did wines in the Southeast. Southeast, I'm saying Sao Paulo, Minas. We don't do wines in Rio as far as I know. And then I'm going to say that someone is going to, you know. Listen, of course. We do wines in Rio, somewhere in Rio. Gosh, okay, guys.
0: Disclaimer. There's always... An outlier to every fact and everything you ever say when it comes to the exactly. world of wine. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. as
1: far as I know, Sao <laughs> 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 Paulo and the Minas, and Minas is where, and then we are going to discuss, like, uh, probably because I think it's the most interesting thing I've seen, one of the most interesting things I've seen coming out of Brazil, which is the, called the dupla poda, which is the vinho de inverno, is the winter wines. They allowed the Southeast, which is Sao Paulo and Minas, to make wines because before it was never done there. So, what
0: is this? What is this Vinos de Inviernos? So, it's the winter vines, right? That's what it translates as.
1: Yeah. So, when I said in the beginning, Brazilians are creative, and I swear to God, I'm so proud of this country. <laughs> I'm a
0: proud Brazilian, you know? Good. Right. Make <laughs> us proud for you. Okay. So, what are they doing?
1: So, what they're doing is in Minas, which is another state of the Southeast, Southeast is composed by Sao Paulo, Rio, states, because we have the cities, but I'm talking about the states, the big states. Minas, Sao Paulo, Rio, right? In Minas, there was this university where a teacher of the university is called Murilo. I don't remember his surname. I have to check. He discovered and created a way of you pruning the vines that you invert the cycle of the vines. So, instead of In summer, you have flowering. Winter, the dormancy. Yes. The way they prune it inverts it. So winter
0: is the harvest
1: and the dormancy is in summer.
0: And let me, sorry, because I haven't actually been to Brazil. Is that because in your winter anyway, it's still really hot there? Is that why? Sao Paulo can be slightly cooler in winter, but we are talking winter here to
1: 16 degrees. Right. Which is cold for Brazil, you know? Yes. 16. So sometimes we go to 10, you know, Sao Paulo, south goes to zero minus, you know. But Sao Paulo, southeast, is the average is 15.
0: 15, 20. For everyone listening, because it's like, oh, my God, this is a bit of a, oh, my head. Right. Let's focus <laughs> on this. Right. So the idea of then making the vine cycle, the growing season happen through winter, if your average temperature is about 15, 16, this is now what you're doing, basically creating a cool climate region in terms of the fact that if we think about in England, it's like 14, going to Champagne, it's around 15 and so on. So this is a you're creating a cool climate, wine growing region by exactly. shutting it down during the summer when it's super, super hot. Exactly. Exactly. So
1: how is it this- pruning? So then it's very technical for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> Probably we need to find a modelo and ask him. But what I know <laughs> is the way you prune it. Yeah. Okay. Is it pruning? Right. And, you know, even in regions around the world, you can delay your bird burst so you can, you know, by pruning it. So I think the way they found to prune it is how you keep the dormancy.
0: Incredible. I mean, I guess this is something, yeah, we don't need to technically know, but that is crazy because that, i never heard of this. I assume this is the only place in the world where they are inverting the season,
1: so I, I would risk to say that is the only place because I don't know anyone else doing that. And they started doing minas, and then they went to São Paulo, right, you know. Right. And there is one winery in São Paulo that uh, got last year, and this is what like blew my mind because it was the producer that got the covering the counter magazine last year because the Syrah got gold medal.
0: Oh, what producer? Guaspari. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> that I have one of their whites in my fridge right now, which Ooh. as we record everyone, I may open it up and this may have been at the beginning of the episode. I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet. So I maybe, <laughs> maybe, I'll be, maybe I'll have already spoken about this by the time I actually play this episode. I'm sure. Cause I tasted, I bought their sitter and then I think their whites which again, it's so funny that people are probably already have heard me talking by the time they get to this part, is a blend of different grape varieties, like a Chardonnay, maybe Viognier Sauvignon Blanc or something. I, I think. think so.
1: I think they have a blend. I think they have one just Sauvignon Blanc, which thing tried. We had a Gospari with him. We had a Viognier, pure Viognier, 100% Viognier. And we had the Syrah, we had, I think we had almost the whole range of reds from Guaspari. And Guaspari is in Sao Paulo.
0: That's such, and I had no idea. So this Guaspari, I've just, good old Google, just to double check, and it is the (laughs) bottle in my fridge waiting for me. Guaspari Vale da Pedra Branco. And it is a good good memory me you're good very good portuguese as well girl uh, (laughs) it's a Sauvignon Blanc Chardonnay Viognier and for everybody this wine is $24.99 from Go Brazil if you're in the UK that that's for me the place where I've gone and bought all of my Brazilian wines because they've got an amazing selection haven't they? they? amazing selection amazing producers there
1: some of the wines he sent me, some of the wines for team that I couldn't grab the, uh, the producers to send me because it was going to be very expensive. He sent me from his stock, which is Nick, Nick from Go Brazil. Go Brazil is a, it's a great store to really look online, and you can buy online all these wines we are discussing: Guaspari, Miolo, Valduga, He has them all.
0: Mm-hmm. And I didn't say Cav Guys. Guys, Cav Guys, he sells Cav Guys. <laughs> and Cav Guys. No, you said it correctly. <laughs>
1: And Cavi guys, you know, he's the owner. They started, the founder of Kavi, guys. Uh, he was from Chile and he was mm. to live in Brazil. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember. And the wine is fabulous. And he, he was the only one. I'm going to give a spoiler alert now about our conversation, but he is the one, uh. <laughs> he's the one that is allowed to use the new Rio. Oh,
0: okay. Altos de Pinto Bandeira. <laughs> guys, Cavi guys. That makes sense because from that region, I always knew he was the top producer. He's the
1: top producer. And
0: funny enough, if anybody reads the World Atlas of Wine, Jancis Robinson, she's sadly, it's only one page on Brazil, but that means it's a really easy read. I remember when I was reading that, she was talking about the Pinto Bandera, but they were hoping... Because of the higher altitude parts were producing some incredible sparkling wines to eventually get a DO. And they now have, right? They now have. So when did that DO come through?
1: Oh I don't I don't remember. I don't know if it's three years. I know it's recent. That'll do. <laughs> Because I would say exactly because I was say three years. Someone is gonna. It's not three years. You don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. I don't know the year exactly. It's <laughs> but fine. what I know and I think it's quite interesting with the deal is just four producers can use the deal, out of the Pinto Bandera, mm-hmm. and it's high altitude sparkling wines. And apparently, and I didn't know that. I discovered that recently as well. Which is also this. Everything I'm saying is also in an article that Julie. Shepard from the Countess. She wrote an article last magazine about okay. Brazil, and she talks about Vinhos de Inverno, which is the winter wines, and she talks about the Dio, the New Dio, and is the Dio the only Dio in the Southern Hemisphere dedicated to sparkling wines. That's so there awesome, was no other it? Dio doing spa- exclusively sparkling wines in the Southern Hemisphere.
0: Which I thought was like wow, amazing that's amazing because now you've got these inverted vines going on in brazil and sao paulo who would have believed it it's cool to be able to say you've got this do making exclusively sparkling wines in the southern hemisphere it's great these lovely little ticks so i love the fact that already you've name dropped lots of amazing wineries and by the way everybody listening go to the show notes There'll be a link to the transcript, so all of these wineries or wine regions you could actually double check and then then look up because that will make your life far easier. What else did you show Tim that now other people can you can recommend, or you can take us to one of the other wine regions?
1: He was like his comments was very nice. Like so, he was saying, "Look, my these wines are very, you know, some of the wines that even the ones that we were not sure, he was like, there is potential here. They can definitely." This is a, seems to be very consistent and nice. He got surprised, and actually me as well, because it was the first time I tried a wine from Valduga. It's called Serlai. Okay. The name is Serlai, exactly like. Um, like you know, on the lease. On the lease. Okay. On the lease. And uh, if I'm not wrong, it's 36 months on the lease, the mm-hmm. wine, if I'm not wrong. The wine was lovely. And that was like one of the highlights. What was the grape variety that they used? Uh, chard and Pinot Noir, if I'm okay. wrong. Or okay. maybe just chard. No, I think it was both. I think it was a blend.
0: Mm, as a white wine aged uh, on the was
1: Sparkling. Oh, sparkling. Traditional method. Ah, traditional okay. method is sparkling. And that uh, was lovely. And uh, also, he was really surprised, was Teroldego, which is an Italian grape. Say it again. Teroldego. So I okay. think it's a grape from Friuli. Oh, now the Italians are going to be enraged. I don't remember where it is from. (laughs) Getting (laughs) uh, yourself in so much trouble. uh, Trouble, gosh. It's going to be an engaged one. But but I'm completely it's from the north. I'm not sure where in the north it is. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, the grape is Teroldego. The name of the grape is a local indigenous grape from that region. And uh, we do in Brazil. And it's not just one producer doing it. And we tried the one from Lidio Caharo, which was lovely. Okay. We tried one from Don Guerino, which was also very good. the So he was surprised that Brazil was using that grape. But well, Brazil is using now a lot of Italian grapes anyway. So Sangiovese recently got very high scores in the counter.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And just to make sure that we don't upset the Italians, good old Google. I've done it again. I know. Check it <laughs> yes. out. Know, I'm, I'm on fire. And um, it is from the Trentino Alto Adige region. Ah, so yeah, okay. you're completely 3D. right. Yep, yep, you're completely right up in the north, but that specific region. Okay, everyone, Italians, is everyone okay? Yes, Can
1: we move is on? Everyone okay. <laughs> everyone survived. <laughs> Have no, we got through No this? haters in my Easter please? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. So okay, so you're talking about so quite a few Italian varieties are there. Logical, seeing as the Italians came over to the south. For me, I've always gone Merlot is the red grape variety of Brazil. Is that losing favour now? Obviously Merlot has always done well there, but is there other red grape varieties that are taking over? Uh,
1: I don't know the figures, to be honest, but we plant in the South everything. So we have Sauvignon Blanc, some of uh, the most remarkable wines. So, for example, one of the top wines from Yolo, which is lot 43, is Lot 43. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. There is a Bordeaux blend, you know, so... We have all most of the international grapes, so Chardonnay, yes. Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Noir. We don't have Pinot Mania because Pinot Manier doesn't do well in Brazil. Interesting. Yeah, so there's the majority, and I would say uh, Merlot could be because Merlot plants very well and goes very well in Brazil. But I think they started doing a lot of more diverse varieties like Sangiovese, a lot of Saint Giovese, Terroir de Go, which is like you know very interesting. Cabernet Franc. Oh my oh,
0: goodness! Oh yeah, I Any opportunity, know, just, yes,
1: to get a Cabernet Franc from Brazil, and I say that now. This one, I will put my feet on the ground and I will say. Oh okay. Cabernet Franc is one of the most remarkable wines I've had from Brazil. Casa Valduga has one Cabernet Franc that is absolutely delicious. The wine is delicious. I Beautiful. want Beautiful. That one is is a must try. And, you know, I had a friend when I was doing my diploma. I had a friend in my course and she tried it and she sent me a picture. She tried it in a restaurant and she sent me a picture. She will know. She will know when she listened to
0: this.
1: (laughs) And that was a Cabernet Franc. And she was like, Luma, this one is amazing. I said, yes, I told you. And she said, she has a great palate. She has a great palate. And I was so proud when she said, I said, yes, I told you. It's amazing. That's amazing.
0: Okay, that's so exciting. Okay, so everyone look out for some Cabernet Franc. Check out some Italian varieties when they're there. The Sparklings, of course, at the end of the day, for me, have always been... For me, they're the calling card of Brazil. The majority are they traditional method because all the ones that I've ever tasted have been. So I don't know whether that's just they're the ones coming into the UK. I know you mentioned there's like a Moscato d'Asti equivalent, but like, is a lot of Sharma methods. Some
1: producers do both. Some producers do both. So I think, for example, Miolo. They have both. They have charmart and they have traditional method. I would risk to say that the high quality producers do traditional method and don't do charmart Yeah. But if yeah. you're a commercial big producer, you are going to do both and you are going to find on the market. I remember when I was in Brazil, but then I'm talking about 10 years ago, uh, going to a shop. The sparklings I was finding was traditional method, you know, so I don't know. I don't know really, but. This is what I was always finding easier was traditional method than Charmotte.
0: Yeah. Well, you'll see it on the label for anyone looking. It will say if it's traditional method or not, won't it? Okay. Right. What I want you to, to do for us now is you're from Rio. Most likely when people fly in, they're going to fly to Rio and enjoy that the place there. Where should they fly to? What's, what's your recommendation? Like, I don't know whether you can give us this two, three-day itinerary where someone can fly out of Rio, experience a wine region, and then come back? Where would they fly to? What would they do? So I would say,
1: so for you to experience, and you have three days, you have to go Vale dos Vinhedos. You have to go okay. Serra Gaúcha because Done. it's the concentration mm-hmm. of the producers are there. And it's going to be easy for you to, you know, go between producers, you know, it's concentrated unless you have like more days and then you can go here and there, but like I would say Vale dos Vinhedos, Serra Gaúcha, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, you have to fly. You have two options to fly there. Or you go to the capital of Rio Grande. It's the capital. Yes. Porto Alegre. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Someone's going to come back to you. Guys, (laughs) I've been
1: studying wines for three years. All my geography from Brazil is gone. (laughs) 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 No, but you go Porto I think it is. You go Porto Alegre, you go Porto yeah. Alegre, which is the biggest. Or you can go Caxias do Sul is the name. Okay. Caxias mm-hmm. do Sul. But mm-hmm. main, you have more flights, Porto Alegre, really. This is okay. what I did when I went there. I went to Porto Alegre. And from Porto Alegre, you, go, you have to get a bus or you have to get a car, a private car, and then you go to the region.
0: How long does that take? I
1: think it's 42 kilometers from Porto Alegre, 40 kilometers
0: it's funny, isn't it? You know, when you go to wine regions and you forget, like, do you know what? I was just happy. I was excited to get no, there. You I have don't, you don't to-
1: check, do you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. I might need to check.
0: Okay, so that's probably about, what, an hour, hour and a half, depending on the roads and the traffic. Okay, that's fine. When that's I very- went,
1: I would say what I did, and I think was very cool. Okay, I I'm didn't ready. Say, I didn't stay in Vale dos Viennes. Maybe for three days, stay there, because then it's easier for you to go here and there. I went to Gramado, which is another city. So I arrived in Porto Alegre. I went to Gramado. Gramado is a beautiful, bucolic, beautiful town. I think it's a town in the south. And from there, you have many, many, many agencies doing day trips.
0: Right, okay.
1: So it would be a different scenario because, you know, you're going to see something else, especially if you go in the time that they have like the cinema uh, festival, which is amazing. It's the most, the most important of Brazil. Uh, when is the festival? So it's called Festival de Cinema
0: de Gramado. One sec. Okay. That's it's just, just one. No, it's fine. Ah, look at you. You're going on Google now, aren't you? I am. Oh. Have a look. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen. Normally
1: August. August, I'm Okay, August. August.
0: Okay. All right. And so, yeah, what happens there?
1: It's a festival. It's a cinema festival. So it's an award, really. And then uh, international. So, okay. you know, there's a small filmmakers they go to gramado and then they like present can in france exactly is the kings yes is the canes of brazil exactly there that you go okay it. okay and then a lot of things happening in the city because mm. everyone goes there because of that so you have like these parties i remember the year was there we had this huge party nearby which the dj was david Guetta. Can you oh. believe that? David gets in Brazil, man. It was, it was amazing. <gasps> and everything happens at the same time because the city gets on fire. So I love it to do that because I stayed there. I did all these activities and I did I did the day trips to producers. Okay. So I visited Miolo, Peter Longo, which another curiosity about Peter Longo, that is a good one. Okay. Did you know that Peter Longo is the only producer that can use in their label for their top wine, the word champagne? Champagne. I am talking what? here. I swear to God. I swear to God they have a. Sh- so How? what happened is Petalongo was doing sparkling and calling it champagne. Before Champagne region, did the AOC it was an appellation, right? They did fight they... until today. It's not an easy, you know. Uh-huh. The agreement was because before Petalongo was using champagne, all the sparklings. They okay. did an agreement with the Committee Champagne. I don't know like more details about it, but. Now, just the top QV of Peter Longo can be called champagne. And it is in the label, Peter Longo Champagne. Can no. you believe it? This is a, mind-blowing. No one in the world can do that.
0: That's amazing. Thank you for that. Check Very that Very cool, out. isn't it? <laughs> Every day is a school day. I love it. And, and, and this also just goes to show. When we say, by the way, no one in the world plants this but us. No one in the world can label something but us. It's like, actually, there's always an exception. So when you say no one in the world can say champagne apart from champagne, it's like, oh, apart from that one producer with that one bottle in Brazil now. Okay, good. (laughs) Brilliant. What was your favorite winery to visit when you went to Vale dos Vinhedos?
1: To be fair, I really, now they are like more and more doing amazing wine tourism in Brazil. You mm-hmm. know, it is a must do now. So Guaspari okay. is very interesting, but I have not been there. Valduga, interesting, but I have not been there. I was really interested in Miolo. I thought Miolo was f- so nice and they have like all these activities. They do. I did a cheese and wine Master class, you know when you it's fun, it's fun, and at the time of when they I don't know if they are doing it still, but like the money we paid on the entrance, you could go to the store and reverting wines.
0: I don't know if what? they still
1: do that. So you just the money you pay for. Your oh, tickets, to enter, they basically they give back so you get the money off if you buy a wine. If you buy wine in the shop. Yeah. And the shop is very cool and they have wine. It, they have a huge range of wines. Which I think is also interesting because you can you can find what you like. So if you want like a very easy drinking, sparkling wine, you have it. If you have a serious Bordeaux blend, you have it. If yeah. you have a rosé that you like, very fruity. They have everything. I I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, they are big. They are soup. They are one of the biggest. I think they're the biggest of Brazil.
0: I think it's fun. Yeah. When I did the chat with Miolo going back to, wait... Episode 28. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they were the largest then. And I think then that sometimes it's really nice to go to one of the largest because they have the money to make the place look beautiful and obviously do activities. I think that you had the opportunity to make your own wine. I think that was one of the activities they mentioned, like there's so much going on. And then yeah. you've got to find one of the small boutique wineries. The best thing I can ever say about the contrast is is when you go to, like, if you can manage to get into somebody's, like, little garage, where he's got the dog running around, where health and safety doesn't matter, and they let you (laughs) climb up, like, they let you climb up ladders to look into the tanks whilst you're in your flip-flops. I mean, like, literally, that's the most beautiful experience when you can do the perfect gorgeous, huge winery with everything on offer. And then you go to the the hairy, dirty, behind the garage somewhere kind of winery as well. So everybody do one big, one small at the very least, right? Yes, you have to, because this is how you understand
1: as well the difference is even in the wine, the styles, the style change because you when you are big, you do like a certain style, and then when you were small, you are more free to do other things, you know. It's it's very interesting.
0: I, I really agree with you, but you I think you have to do both. Big and small. To conclude on going to Valley dos Vineros, you obviously did day trips. Do they have a a wine route? Or do they have signs everywhere kind of telling people where wineries are? If someone was just to like literally as well, hire a car and drive along through the area, would they constantly see signs to this random winery, to that winery?
1: I can't remember because it was many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. But I okay. would say yes, because, you know, I know how organized they are and they are not doing this. The wine tourism in Brazil goes a long way. It's not like new. I think South America in general, they know they've been mastering wine tourism very well. And uh, I would say they do because, you know, I can't remember because I remember we did the route, but I was in a bus. Sorry, it was a private one that was bringing us around. So I can't remember seeing the, but it was many, many years ago.
0: But then if they were doing that many, many years ago, it can have only improved. So you of can course, already do the yeah. day tours. Yeah. I I just say that because I remember like whenever I go through wine regions, I quite like it sometimes when I see this little sign for winery, duh, 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 chateau, duh, 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 duh. but, and you're like, Ooh, what's that? And I'm always like, you know, if you've got the time just drive down the route and see what it is as well, because that's when you might find, and very often you can just turn up somewhere and even the small ones, you just catch the winemaker who's also the vineyard worker and then he's like, oh, do you know what? No one comes to see me, sure. I mean, it's all chance, it's all luck, but then sometimes you get the most beautiful stories as well, just turning up randomly to a Definitely. place you found Serenipity, down. you mm-hmm. know.
1: Serenipity, there's my look, uh, and then a tattoo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really? Okay, yes. there you go. Everyone? That's the way you need to do it. (laughs) So Luma will be joining us next week for part two, and we will be coming closer to home in Europe, Italy, the wine region of Veneto. Now this is an incredible region for sparkling, for reds, for whites. Hopefully you've all listened to episode 155 where I was telling you about the Corneliano Valdobbiadene Prosecco Superiore DOCG wines. But if we're talking about red wines, we're talking about Amarone. So we are talking about the wine region Valpolicella. If we're talking about white wines, we're talking about Suave and the Garganega grapes. So, Luma is going to be going into detail about those grape varieties. And so, my wine quote of this episode is actually said by the character Miles Raymond in the movie Sideways, where he says, I'm not drinking any effing Merlot. (laughs) And so next week's episode is exactly what you need if you sometimes feel that way now thank you everybody for listening as always i absolutely love it when you send me feedback send me emails which you can do to janina at eatsleepwinerepeat.co.uk or on instagram direct message me at eatsleep underscore wine repeat. your reviews your ratings on apple podcasts and spotify massively help the podcast to grow and be shown all over the world so please do take two moments if you are enjoying the podcast and take a screenshot put it across on your social so everybody knows where to find us and so as I prepare for next week's Italian episode I raise my glass to you all chin chin salute cheers to you